Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. going to be good. I'm really excited to be here with you. Um, I'm going to be talking about the prophetic church and building a battle-ready mind. But first, I have a a joke I want to tell you. Okay. So, an elderly Italian man lived alone in New Jersey, and he wanted to plant his annual tomato garden, but it was very difficult work. And since the ground was hard, his only son, Vincent, who used to help him, was in prison. So the old man wrote a letter to his son and described his predicament. And he said, Dear Vincent, I'm feeling pretty sad because it looks like I won't be able to plant my tomato garden this year. I'm just getting too old to be digging up a garden plot, and I I know if you were here, my troubles would be over. I know you'd be happy to dig the plot for me like in the old days. Love, Papa. Now, a few days later, he received a letter from his son, and it said, Dear Pop, don't dig up the garden. That's where the bodies are buried. Love, Vinny. <laughs> so at 4 a.m. the next morning, FBI agents and local police arrived and they dug up the entire area without finding any bodies. So they apologized to the old man and left. And that same day, the old man received another letter from his son, said, Dear Pop, go ahead and plant the tomatoes now. <laughs> That's the best I could do under the circumstances. Love, Vinny. <laughs> it tickles me. Um, <laughs> oh, but so let's talk about it. The prophetic church and having a battle-ready mind. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like a battle-ready mind is um, a necessity these days. Does anybody else feel like you might have some cultural whiplash happening? <laughs> There's just, there's so many, like, things I'm supposed to know how to say and remember now. Um, So many matters that, like, we're all expected to have an opinion on. And, man, some of these are, don't they feel kind of, like, aggressive? Aggressive, persuasive information coming at you daily? (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's just me. But isn't it so great? that we can build our lives on the everlasting rock that will never change. Come on. Whatever updates you see in the news tomorrow, whatever you experience, whatever you, whatever you read, whatever you're told, God already knows. He's got the whole world in his hand. Do you remember that song? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole... Th- this song's amazing. Do you hear that side of the room? Oh, I remember, because Pastor Steve preached last week. This was the heaven side, right? This was the heaven side that sings it out, and no no, offense to all of you, but this was the hell side, right? You were supposed to... (laughs) It's cool, guys. I like it. Heavenly voices. Sounds amazing. Um, So, I I heard a rumor uh, about uh, my teaching recently um, from Pastor Todd. He said that one of his kids said um, that it's time to go down the rabbit hole when I came in. In reference to that movie, The The Matrix, maybe you haven't seen it. Maybe everyone's too spiritual to have seen it. (laughs) So you might not understand this cultural reference, but if you're trying to hide it like you do, just go cover your mouth. Do you want to take the red pill or the blue pill this morning? Any red pill takers? Anybody? Or blue pill? 
Red one is you go down the rabbit hole. Blue is you stay in your sleepy land. Who's red pills? Well, that's a lot of red pills. Okay, cool. Neo would be proud. All right. So building a battle-ready mind. Now, as you know, I'm kind of cerebral. I like to study real deep into things. So I did some study on the effects of, the thought, of like your thoughts in your brain. Um, and I will tell you that I recently read a book. It's called Switch On Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf. I don't know if you've read any of her stuff. But she's written some incredible content on the way that we are wired and the effects of, like, the thought of your thought life on your body. So did you know that apparently 30-ish years ago, now that was in 1990. So for those of you who thought the 90s was, you know, 10 years ago, it's 30 now. Sorry for that little dose of, church, of truth this morning. <laughs> so everyone in the 90s, when you used to like, when you listen to your dad listen to the oldies on the radio from the 60s, the same period from the 60s to the 90s is now, you know, from the 90s to now. Good on you. All right, so anyways, apparently 30 years ago, um, most in the field of psychology, um, most medical professionals, um, psychological professionals view the mind as like a fixed and hardwired machine. They talked about like compensation, not restoration, because they believed that if your brain was damaged, that that damage was irreversible. So that means that if you suffered a stroke, um, everything from traumas, OCD, depression, um, all of those things were considered to be irreversible, the effects of that. Um, and I know that some of you are probably jumping straight to Romans 12 too, so I wrote that down for all of you. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is and that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So now... Years later, science is starting to catch up with the Word of God. And so this is just a, a teeny little passage. I'm not going to read much today, but um, it's from her book. It says that breakthrough neuroscientific research is confirming daily that what you're thinking about every moment of every day becomes a physical reality in your brain and body, which affects your optimal mental and physical health. So these thoughts collectively form your attitude which is your state of mind, and it's your attitude and not your DNA that determines a lot of your quality of life. This is, a, this is called epigenetics. Basically, it's a study of how your behaviors and environment cause changes in the way that your genes work. This is fascinating. I really recommend you read the book and dig into this. But the, the premise behind it is that there are positive and negative genes that are turned on, activated according to your thoughts. So have you ever met somebody who has an Eeyore personality? An Eeyore, sad, sad personality. You pray for them probably, right? Yeah, me too. <laughs> but um, let's, let's look at that. Do they have, a lot of times, incredible, outrageous dreams coming into fruition in their life? No, they usually don't, right? They're usually, um, they're usually kind of talking about everything in their life that is a struggle, aren't they? and talking about their pain and the things that are holding them back. They spend all their attention focused on that. And so the neuroscientific research that's breaking through with epigenetics is that those thoughts actually activate the negative genes. So you can actually become physically ill because your thoughts are stuck in a bad attitude all the time. That's none of you guys. You guys are great. 
I love you all. So as a result of that, come on, let's, let's talk about this. This is, I'm so passionate about this topic um, because the condition of like your health and your mind, it, it should be one of the highest priorities, right? Because like our inner world, your inner world is going to determine everything about your life, not just your relationships, not just the opportunities that you'll experience with your career path or your dreams or all of those externals, but that your mind actually will determine the kind of relationship that you allow heaven to have with you. Because Jesus is by invitation only. You invite him in, but if you have this, this mindset that is keeping out, you have no faith to believe for God's breakthrough in your life, then how are you ever going to start to ask him or talk to him in the way that he actually is? Right? So your mind can start to determine your relationship with God. Some of you, that's amazing. Some of you, you're a little scared right now. It's okay. Buckle up. The posture of your mind is going to determine pretty much everything in your life. So why does your mind hold such power? Now, the reason why I'm talking about this is because some people that you may know who have a low self-esteem don't see themselves accurately, right? When you, if you know somebody who really thinks pretty lowly of themselves, then they're they're constantly focused on that. It's almost, it's counterintuitive because it's actually really self-absorbed. They're focused on all of their negative things that they're carrying, right? And themselves. And they're not highlighting any of the strengths that they might carry. Um, and so your mind, so they don't like actually put a lot of value behind their thoughts. Have you ever been around somebody like that who they, um, they will just say whatever comes into their mind, that, that just negative about themselves, but also negative about you or your circumstances. They just speak it right out. And it's because, it's not because they're just, they're mean or they're not nice. It's because they don't have a value for their thoughts. Their self-esteem is so low, it's so in the basement, that they don't actually think that their thoughts are going to affect you. So they're just speaking out because they don't have an understanding of who they are and that they were created to be like God. When God created man, he said, let us create the man in our own image. You were created in the image of God. So you are creative. Whether or not you write songs, you paint, or you do anything that you would consider artistic, maybe you are just clocking in with a zero on the talent factor in, those, in the arts. But you are creative because you create realities with the words that you speak and the thoughts that you think. So you are creative because you were created in the image of God. And so your thoughts, they matter. Whether you think they do or not, if you think they don't, you've been believing a lie. And I'm happy to break that off of you this morning. Mm. So Jesus said, for the overflow of what's been stored in your heart. Now, the, the Hebrew word for heart actually breaks down into your mind, your will, your emotions, basically your soul, how you make your decisions. So it'll be stored in your heart and will be seen by the fruit and will be heard in your words. So to build a strong and battle-ready mind, we have to examine the strength of our spiritual foundation and what we are building on. So my question for you today, how do you relate to heaven? So what key areas of kingdom promises or benefits do you tend to focus on in regards to your heavenly citizenship? So the reason why I'm asking that is because if you look at the majority of the reasons why you're talking to Jesus, the majority of the reasons what you're asking him for, and the subject matter that you're focused on, 
it's going to reveal two things. It's going to reveal what matters to you, where your values are at, and it's going to reveal who you see him as. So, to build a strong, battle-ready mind, your mind has to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Because if it isn't battle-ready, you're going to make requests of Jesus through a lens that doesn't see him rightly. So, so many Christians are only focused on being forgiven, right? We only focus on being forgiven, and then they never see the kingdom. They repent enough to be forgiven, but they don't repent enough to see it. So, forgiveness, although it's a powerful revelation, if that's where we stop, if we only, if we only stop at forgiveness, are we fully activated in our faith? Are we honoring the price that he paid for our freedom if we're only focused on being forgiven? Wouldn't the full expression of worship and honor towards this crazy love, this incredible sacrifice, look like the book of Acts? Wouldn't it look like dreaming with God, partnering with him, and having boldness to not just like learn how to be, but to become who he has made you to be? There was a hashtag going around a couple years ago. It drove me nuts. It would always say, hashtag learning to be. Anybody seen that on Instagram? Was it just me? Yeah, totally. It was always in reference to this post. It'd be like, no, I'm just making this up. This is not about anybody, especially not anybody here. If it matches your story, these are the thoughts and opinions of the speaker, not reflected in reality. Disclaimer. (laughs) But... On Instagram, learning to be, it would always be like, oh, just dropped out of college. It was too hard. And, you know, I'm working at a job I don't love anymore. But, but God's good, and I'm learning to be. <laughs> oh, this relationship didn't work out. I'm really sad about it. It's my fault. I'm just hashtag learning to be. <laughs> oh, you know, I have dreams from God. Think guess they didn't turn out the way I thought they would. I heard wrong. I mean, I know I told him that I would do anything for him and that this dream I would go to the ends of the earth to do, but, you know, the first sign of opposition, I've just decided I'm just (laughs) learning to be. (laughs) 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 Hashtag. (laughs) At some point, we got to wake up. Your your life and your future is not 20 years in the the netherworld, far away. It is the right here and the right now. And maybe your dreams are not like about timing or convergence. Maybe it's just, maybe you're the problem. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ashley, you can start at the pilot. It's okay. It was great speaking to all of you guys. I'm sure this is the last time I'll be done. I'm kidding. <laughs> but if we're being honest, maybe you are the problem. Maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the one who's holding yourself back and thinking like, oh, I don't have all the resources that I, Jay, you don't understand. I'm really struggling. I don't have the resources. I don't have the connections. I don't have the time. I'm way too busy. And all that could be true. But, but did you know that you have God on your side? What more resources or connections do you need? to have the faith to step into it. Let me tell you something, that if you need 
everybody else's affirmation and approval to walk in the promises and destinies of God and not his, you will never see it happen because he is the most important one. He is the one who will determine your future and your destiny, and he is the ultimate promoter. So you can try, 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 try to angle your life in the direction that you think it is. But the truth is, our vision and our perspective is like looking through a keyhole on a door, and you only see a little bit, and he sees the whole picture. So all we have to do is listen and respond with obedience and maybe have a dose of faith that he knows what he's doing in you. I know, it's hard. It's hard. So here's the deal. If we don't see Jesus clearly, um, what do you do when you don't know somebody really well and you're a human being? Most of you human beings, so I'm kidding. All of you are. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm ripping you so hard today. It's okay, right? <laughs> um, um, so the two things that happen when we, when we don't see God clearly, or, or anybody for that matter, is a lot of times we'll fill in the blanks with what we're afraid of, right? We'll project all of our insecurities and worries about ourselves onto that person, and we'll start to kind of interpret their behavior in that light. Um, so a great example of this would be like, um, okay, so I don't think, let, let's pretend for a moment that Pastor Todd doesn't like me. Does anybody know Pastor Todd? He's basically like, he, he is like Jesus. He, so the likelihood of, of Todd not liking some, like me, is like zero to none. But let's, for the sake of this discussion, pretend that he doesn't like me. So if I think that Pastor Todd doesn't like me, then I'm going to interpret every interaction with him through that lens. So when I walked into the church today, if Todd set his stuff down and drank water and I walked by, he didn't say hello to me. The unrenewed mind would be like, Todd hates me, doesn't even acknowledge my presence. <laughs> oh, uh, he's just, I'm a terrible human being. And then you start to project eventually to defend yourself. He's so mean to me. When it was just an innocent interaction, your perspective, your paradigm gave you false emotions. You were believing a lie and you reacted to it emotionally, but it wasn't the truth. Amen. And so that's where the battle-ready mind comes in, because if we don't see him clearly, we're going to fill in the blanks with what we're afraid of, or even worse, we assume that he's just like you or me. <laughs> so how would you feel if God was just like you? I'm just waiting. <laughs> I feel like some of you are like, quietly, just like your mind racing, like, oh my gosh. Some of you are probably like, I'd be an amazing God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but for those of us who are not like that, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid. Because, you know, some of you are like, I write people off the first time they offend me. I'm so glad I'm, that God is not like me. It says in Isaiah 55, 8, that my... This is God talking. It says, For my thoughts about mercy are not like your thoughts, and my ways are different from yours. Can anybody say praise the Lord for that? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways and my thoughts are higher than yours. Now, he might be bragging a little bit. I like it when God brags on himself, but I think that he's more trying to highlight that um, he is so much better and so much more full of goodness than we are, that he thinks about us in an entirely different way than we think and relate towards each other. 
and that's beautiful. Because, you know, he's, he's better. He's not like the most perfect version of yourself times a billion. Over and above, like different, different realms better. And that's why I love him. That's why we trust him. So one of my favorite quotes from Bill Johnson that really um, fits well with the subject matter, he said, I can't afford to have thoughts in my head about me that God doesn't have in his. So can we build a battle-ready mind in 10 minutes? We will try. I'm kidding. <laughs> Listen, um, this is meant to be an introductory d- discussion that we have about this. You know, I, I've got some Holy Spirit-inspired blueprints for you to help you begin your remodel, maybe a recreation for some. Knock it down and start over. But this morning, it's all about just putting good tools in your hands to begin the process of building a battle-ready mind. So, why build it all? Why can't he just wipe my hard drive? Oh, somebody's calling me. It's just Jerry. I would have answered it, too. It would have been really cool. <laughs> um, so, love you, Jerry. Um, I really do. Um, we're just putting good tools in your hands. So I was talking about why can't we have our hard drive wiped? Like, why isn't, there, why isn't there an instant fix? How many of you have ever had, like, a thought process or something that was tempting you or some area of your life that you were just so frustrated that you needed to process through? You wanted God to just give you the finished product. I think everyone can relate to that because we're totally a microwavable society, aren't we? We want it fast. We want it now. Let me tell you, when I was a manager at Chick-fil-A, we did 200 cars an hour. People want their food fast, and they want it right. I think we're like that spiritually too, right? Maybe from time to time. So why is there uh, no quick fix for this battle-ready mind? Now, that doesn't mean that God can't deliver you. If you're walking in here with bondage and burdens and um, spiritual things happening inside of you that are not of heaven's realities, God can deliver you from that. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there is a intention behind his process. So these are just three reasons. These are Jay's reasons. Um, This is the because of the process. Why we have a process? Because you bond with him in the process. Just like God, the Trinity, built the whole earth, and you, you kind of like forge an unshakable bond between you and him when you fortify your mind. Number two, your confidence comes from understanding and learning how to build this with him. So if someone comes and does something for you and you're fully dependent on them, if you need to repeat the process, then you're just helpless to do it and you can't help anybody else. The third reason of why there's a value in the process with the reformation of your mind is what you struggle with right now, whatever that is. Some of you came in here today, you struggle with hardcore anxiety. Some of you are depressed. Some of you are carrying discouragement. Some of you just have difficult life circumstances that have been really draining you. All of those, what you struggle with, struggle with is what you're meant to have authority over. So instead of believing the enemy when you're in the middle of the struggle and you're feeling the heat and the pressure and you're just saying, God, why wouldn't you just take this away from me? Why am I forced to suffer through this? Why aren't you delivering me? And turning all your prayers that direction and saying, God must not care. Maybe it's time to recognize that he's given you authority And that if you will process with him, you will have authority over that very thing that you feel is beating you right now. Come on. 
So just three bullet points, and then we're going to jump into some ministry time because I think I'm running out of time here. Um, number one, we've got to understand his why. We've got to understand his, the Lord's why for reforming our mind. So what is God's motivation for giving us the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be transformed? Like we talked about earlier, it's not just for forgiveness alone. It's because you were, ma- you were only made to be forgiven. I wasn't made to just be forgiven. We were made all the way back in Genesis to subdue, rule, and establish God's kingdom on the earth. So you're not made to simply just make it in heaven and experience the glory and presence of Jesus, maybe in the far future or after you die. You weren't made to struggle and never really experience the freedom of Christ. And you weren't made to shoulder depression and anxiety and try to find a silver lining in it because God, for whatever reason, hasn't zapped it away. I feel like a lot of us maybe are living on uh, what I like to call the I hope one day bread. Has anybody tasted that bread? Man, it's terrible. It's, It's thin, fluffy, no nutrition. Can't carry the weight of a real sandwich. And you try to put any sauce on that bread, it's gonna get saucy. No good. No good, soggy. So, but how many of us are living on that one day bread? You know, maybe one day, maybe one day things will unfold for me in the future. Maybe one day the Lord will open up the door and I'll just miraculously wake up one morning doing what he's called me to do. I used to do that all the time. 10, 20 years ago. Maybe one day I'll wake up and I'll just hear music in my head and I'll just be writing songs. But there was a process. There was an education. And there was a lot of work that went into it to get there. And let me tell you, when you have to work for something, what happens? The value skyrockets, doesn't it? So it's time to toss your I hope one day bread. Let's get you some mealy bread with some seeds in there. You don't like seeds, I know, I'm sorry for those who are offended. Um, Maybe it's time to kind of, this is cheesy, but it just popped in my head last night. You know, Jesus is called a lot of names, but one of them is the bread of life, the, the bread of life. Maybe it's time to stop eating the I hope one day bread and start to live off of the bread of life. Are you waiting for a breakthrough this morning? I just felt like when I was preparing for this that there was um, some deliverance that might happen in this moment right here. So um, is anybody waiting on a breakthrough in, in your finances or a breakthrough in your mind? Can I just see, like, a, your, just put your right hand up. You don't have to stand or anything like that. Hands are going up all over the room. I see that if you're around them, would you just stretch a hand out towards them? You don't have to get up out of your seats or do anything crazy. But just the image that I got was that when people lay, laid their hands on you or, or prayed into this, it was like I saw a flurry of like bees coming out of, out of the head. Like, you know, they were like, like there was activity that was stirred up when we started to pray here. And I felt like that there was going to be kind of like a, a Holy Spirit smoke that was going to subdue those thoughts that it maybe kept, kept you in bondage and kept you from getting the honey out of what God has for you. That there, but the Lord is going to bring a stirring and, and a uh, Holy Spirit fog to cause those thoughts to still in this moment as we pray. And that you'll experience peace and begin to taste 
of the honey. And what I mean by that is he will tell you specific things to do to change your circumstance. He will, they might seem simple. They might seem profound. They might seem um, like they don't even relate. But even if it's counterintuitive, I want you to take notes and put it in your phone after service and act on it. But let me pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, those who are waiting on breakthrough, I pray that there would be a miraculous upswell right now. That all those hornets that have been keeping the mind distracted or otherwise occupied would be released. And that there would be access granted to the honey that you intend for them. To the sweetness, to the promise. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Bible, by the way, also when it talks about waiting, the word actually breaks down to talk about, it means to tie together by twisting or to entwine tightly. So this waiting, it's not passive. It's not like we're just waiting for God to move. It's literally becoming entwined with his purposes and becoming entwined with his heart. And how the battle-ready mind is when we start to kind of recognize that, that we are not waiting for some transformation to happen. We are just giving ourselves over to it. We are becoming entwined in the purposes of God for our life and refusing to believe the lies. So briefly— the next thing that we're going for is a mind that empowers God realities. So here's the deal. Some of you, you think that, that your opinion is somehow a separate thing. So in your mind, I know this is going to make us all sound like we have like, some issues we need to work on. Maybe we do. But um, that we hear three distinct voices in your mind, right? You hear the voice of God. You hear the voice of the enemy. And you hear yourself. And somehow... I think some Christians get away with having disempowered lifestyles because they believe that their opinion is just their own. And they don't have the intrinsic understanding that you don't get to necessarily have an opinion that stands on your own, but that your thoughts are like our spiritual highways or the realities kind of travel on. So when you are thinking about something, it is either an agreement with the Lord and empowering heaven, or it's in agreement with hell and empowering that reality in your life. So when you're thinking in your mind to have a battle-ready mind, you have to kind of, you have to ascertain who you're in agreement with. You see, the serpent came to Eve and um, he fed her this information. He asked her, he said, did God really say you, you shouldn't eat the fruit? And Eve, she miscommunicates and she says, oh, God said that we shouldn't eat it or touch it. He, God never said that. She started to kind of interpret what he said. He said, but did God really say that? So Eve thought that she was making up her own mind, that she was going to be like God, that she was going to get to decide what was good and evil, and Adam jumped on board. Come on, Adam. And, and they went over, and they, and they ate the fruit. And what she didn't realize is that she transferred. Her thought wasn't her own. She transferred her agreement with God to the enemy. And as a result, empowered him to take the keys of authority that God had granted them to rule and subdue the earth. So much so that when Jesus died and was in the belly of the earth, it said when he was resurrected that he took the keys of hell and the grave back through his resurrection. So it required a, a heavenly and divine outrageous intervention to get those keys back. And that's just one example of a thought that, we, that, that somebody thought was their own, but actually the agreement empowered another reality that affected every single one of us in this room today. Thoughts have power, and who you're in agreement with matters. So you don't get to be Switzerland. Sorry, Switzerland. You don't get to be 
just, you know, in the middle, I don't really have an opinion. <laughs> your opinion's either empowering the Lord or it's empowering hell in your life. And a battle-ready mind recognizes that if I have a promise from God, I know there's people with promises here today, isn't there? I have to guard my mind. I have to prevent my fear and my circumstances from swaying my resolve as I press on towards what God has given me to do. So, my last point, well, we'll stop here for a second. You might be asking, um, so how do I do that? <laughs> how do I control my thoughts? Um, because for most of us, if we have an out-of-control mind, and anybody who struggles with anxiety in this room today will tell you that it's the most annoying thing in the world when someone just tells you, just don't be anxious. <laughs> You're okay. One person said nobody who's ever had anxiety. Thank you. I didn't realize that everything was okay. I thought I was being totally rational. You know, I thought that, that, that now that you said that I'm going to be okay, it's crystal clear. I've got this. Thank you for letting me know. Mwah, I've been delivered. <laughs> so there's like, but we, we settle into defeat, especially like, you know, I can't control my thoughts. So God has to just understand or tolerate them now. And, um, or we have fear, like, I need to control my thoughts. Oh my gosh. But the truth is, you may want to control your thoughts, but haven't you been in charge this whole time? Your mind's not under new management yet, if you're trying to control it. So trying to control your thought patterns is way too overwhelming. That's not what I'm telling you to do today. That's only treating the root, and it's an effect of what we're going to go into here to close. Um, which is your paradigm. Okay, so real quick, Nate, can I get you up here, man? Um, your paradigm, really briefly, because I have three pages on this and we're out of time. Um, a paradigm is basically a view accepted by an individual or society as a clear example or model of, of how things work in the world, and, how they, and, and for our case, and how they work in heaven. So your, your heavenly paradigm is your accepted model of how the kingdom works and the pattern of how God feels about you. So if your paradigm is that God is not good or God is not faithful, now you may come in here and say, nobody in this room thinks that, but the truth is that if you were to sort through your actions and how you plan your future, some of you might actually believe that. Because if you believe that God was going to interact and affect your future, then you'd be orienting your life into that. But a lot of us, we plan our future with a flavor of fear, right? We plan it as though we are on our own. So we have to sort all the problems and figure everything out. And then if God were to intervene, he's our, our, he's our clutch. He's our person who comes in, if. But we have the plan in place just in case he doesn't. Our future planning a lot of times doesn't have a faith component. It's rooted in the lie of fear that the enemy put there. So how do we eradicate that? How do you break out of the paradigm? This is the best way that I thought to explain this. It's another joke, sorry. There are two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, good morning, boys. How's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit, and eventually one of them looks over and says, what the heck is water? Sometimes the hardest realities to see are the ones that we're immersed in. In this case, 
thoughts, what we're, what we're trying to kind of articulate here is that what we think while we're in autopilot and unconscious is where we need freedom. Because real freedom isn't being able necessarily to, uh, real freedom isn't just about, how do I say this? Real freedom is not being bound by our autopilot, but having the freedom to choose heavenly thoughts. Do you know that people in the world every day, they are slaves to this. They are slaves to this. How many people do you see who are destroying their lives because they didn't have anybody who loved them growing up or somebody who taught them how to be a dad or how to be a mom or how to be an adult? So they're just doing the best they can, reacting emotionally based on their traumas, just trying to make it by. They are slaves. I think this is what the Bible is talking about when it says that you are slaves to sin. It's not that like necessarily we, we all have these diabolical desires 24-7. It's that we are not free. A lot of, a lot of people outside of Jesus are just bound in a spirit of fear and reacting instead of moving forward into their dreams. And as a result, maybe some of them get lucky. Maybe some of them have somebody in their life who pours in, but, but I think a huge portion just live out their days searching and wondering, wondering why their lives are turning out the way that they are because they don't understand that real freedom is the freedom to choose what you're thinking about when you're in autopilot. What are the thoughts and the, the, the flow happening in your inner world? Hmm. So how do, we, how do we break a paradigm if this is water, right? If, like, if we're, our paradigm is like our water that we're in, we're totally immersed into it. How do you even be aware of it if it's what you've, already, you've always thought and you've always been? How do you even step into something different when you're only understanding has been life as it is. How do you break out of that? You don't. He does. We fix our eyes on Jesus and who he's revealed himself to us as. I'm going to close with this. I came across a video this week of a gospel singer named Delia. She is from you may have known her if, you've, if you're into the Brownsville Revival videos. You may have heard of her. She was a gospel singer who got into a tragic car accident, and she was um, paralyzed from the waist down. 22 years, actually. You can see many interviews where she talks about it. She was um, wheeled in and out of churches and conferences, singing, and would leave when the, uh, the ministry started because she said it's just too painful. She's just so afraid of being disappointed after 22 years. She said her, um, when she had given up her husband, he used to take her in front of the mirror and hold her up. And he would say, I just want to see you, see yourself standing. And he would take her and dance with her and her legs would dangle. And he was continuously trying to put hope and faith in front of her. So one night at the Brownsville Revival, she tells this story. She said that she was sitting on the floor Someone had helped her get down. She was watching ministry begin to happen. And this baby came up that needed a miraculous healing. She said that she was overcome. 
by this compassion that she said, God, you need to touch this baby. You need to do something. You need to heal this baby. And she just travail in intercession. And in the middle of all that, while she was praying and mourning for this baby, the pastor came up to her and he said, God, let faith arise in this woman. And she says that all of a sudden, she, tr- she heard this voice in her head that said, get up. <laughs> you can watch the whole video. It's amazing. I, I was in the office crying the other day just watching it because it's just, it, that's what the kingdom looks like. It looks like somebody, when the Lord says, get up, and they get up and they walk. And she got up. And she starts to kind of walk around like this through the room. And the whole room is just losing their minds because they, they, they know that she was paralyzed, but they don't even know the half of it that she was paralyzed for 22 years. And she's walking. And, and two weeks later, they have a video of her. And she's up on the stage, walking back and forth during worship, singing over and over again, You're my healer! You're my healer! You're my healer! You're my healer! And it, and it had a weight and a gravity. The whole room was exploding, not because she was just the greatest singer on earth, but because she knew him as healer. It wasn't a theory. It wasn't just a hope that, oh, I know God is healer. We've all heard hundreds of worship leaders stand on the stage and in good faith say, I believe that you're my healer. But there's something that hits differently when you see somebody who was paralyzed for 22 years and Jesus came into the room and said, get up. And she stood and she walked and then was singing, you're my healer. She was singing it from her guts, from her being, because it wasn't just an idea. Jesus had revealed himself to her as her healer. So this morning, who is he revealing himself to you as in this season? Because it changes. He's always revealing himself to to people exactly where they're at. So if you wouldn't mind, we're going to close out, but if you would stand up on your feet, I'd like to do another little activation. This is going to be fun, I promise. I love it. Thanks for hanging in so long. I want you to close your eyes for a moment, and I want you to think about this. I want you to think, who is he revealing himself to you as? Ministry teams, you guys can spread across the front. That's perfect. And when you hear it, when you hear it in your heart, I know this is going to require some chutzpah, but would you say it out loud, loud enough that we can hear it? So for me, I'll start. Champion. Healer, come on, loud guys, let's hear it. This is this is powerful. Yeah, yeah. Comforter. Yes. Steadfast. Hope. Follower. Redeemer. Renewer. This is beautiful. Mm. 
do you see how so many of us, each one of us going through something entirely different in our lives, but we get to experience your transformation when you share it with the world, when you declare who he is to you. It breaks paradigms, it breaks agreement, and it releases the grace for your mind to be empowered to become a battle-ready mind. So this morning, if you don't know Jesus, as we're closing out, this is the most important thing we do. We talk about a lot of stuff today, but this is the most important. If you do not know Jesus, if you are far from him, if you knew him once and you've walked away, don't you walk out those doors and not give your heart back to him today if you feel that. So if that's you, I'd like you to just put your hand over your heart. And if you feel brave enough, put your hand up in the air. If you want to give your heart back to Jesus and allow him to break off all the paradigms, to break off all the, the misperceptions, all the things that you've seen him as that he is not, so that he can reveal himself to you as he is, and that that revelation would transform you. So Father God, in the name of Jesus, we invite the chain breaker into our hearts. We invite the paradigm shaper to come into our minds right now. And Father, I just ask the Holy Spirit, you would revitalize minds and dreams today, that you would touch each person's mind and cause the beginnings of transformation, that you would drop small, practical, profound ways that we can begin to adjust into a battle-ready mind so that we might release your kingdom in the earth. I invite you and thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for the death and resurrection of Jesus that it enabled me to be considered a child of God. I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that, I want you to text your name and email to that number. And if you uh, gave your heart to Jesus this morning, Kevin McNeely, where are you at? He's right here. Would you meet up with Kevin so that he can pray with you? But for everyone else, would you put up your right hand so I can bless you on the way out? Bethel Cleveland, in the name of Jesus, I bless you to go out of this place with a battle-ready mind. I pray that you would get axes and swords and pickaxes and crazy weaponry that will reform your mind, that old paradigms would break, that old cycles would break, and that this morning would mark a pivot point in your life where God is revealing himself to you as he is, and that you respond to that revelation with joy and surrender, and that you would experience the fruit of a God-filled revival life. And I just pray that in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. He's so good, isn't he? Thank you so much for joining us this week. We have our prophetic teams lined up across the front. They are prophetic. They will have a word for you. If you were in the middle of that and you didn't hear who God was revealing himself to you as, I'm sure that they could hear or help you hear on that. But why don't you come on up and get some prophetic ministry?